Hello everyone, and welcome to Discussions and Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5e and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton. And this week, we are bringing to you our top 10 tips for being a better player at the table. We're going to go back and forth and discuss our tips as they come up, and a little bit of a disclaimer before we get started. Well, first of all, these are in no particular order. Uh, two, feel free to agree or disagree. This is strictly our opinion. Uh, and last, we don't claim to be perfect players. This is a little bit also directed at the self as well. So, uh, let me just uh, kick it off. I'll get started with my first tip. Uh, be a note taker. Be the kind of person that takes down notes. Even if the group already has a designated person to take notes, be somebody that writes down the names of NPCs, of towns, of different items that prop up, important sounding family crests or symbols or artifacts. Those are the DM's narrative leads. Those are things that you can call back to in future sessions. And show that you are engaging with the world and uh, willing to be a part of that rather than simply uh, showing up each week to watch the Dungeon Master's movie as they present it to you, so to speak. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think maybe we'd address this in a previous episode, but I like to think of myself as the resident note taker of uh, one of my Sunday games. Um, I love taking notes when it comes to fully remembering everything that's happened i mean not just as a character like i as a player love going and looking back at the notes and being like damn that really did happen we fought that guy we met these people they were really interesting um so as a as a tool to remember the story and to enrich your character with those memories also helps um i i find that taking notes makes sure that you are more engaged with the story as well um you know i i'm i'm not a perfect player i'm not going to say that i haven't um texted or looked up spells or looked up effects during rp that really didn't include me um but i think even notating those moments that didn't happen to you or your character specifically is important yeah for sure and like i'm sort of alluding to this doesn't have to be a uh the type of notes where you're taking a, a shorthand of everything that happens in the session, but certainly like specific names, names of towns, items, stuff like that, that I mentioned, um, those are going to be good to call back to later. It's especially kind of cool, uh, from a DM's perspective, when you return to uh, a town that you've been to already and you say, Hey, I'd like to talk to that guy that we talked to, you know, three or four sessions ago and you've got a specific name. Uh, it kind of makes the world feel real and, uh, and and interesting. And it, it just, like I said, shows that you're engaging with that world. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I'd watched a, a really cool Matt Colville video. And when it comes to doing recaps, um, you know, he had said that give your players the opportunity to do a recap because then it, it informs the DM what your players are remembering and the things that they are finding important in your campaign. So that influences you and that informs you as to maybe the types of things that you would like to highlight or more often see in the campaign. So I think that can also be used as a good tool for the DM to see what, um, what their players are latching onto as a part of their narrative. Yeah, absolutely. And forgive the, the horrible pun, but I would like to note 
<laughs> the name that you just mentioned, Matt Colville, if you don't know the name, go check out Matt Colville on YouTube, C-O-L-V-I-L-L-E, I believe is the spelling. Um, very good game designer and, and uh, dungeon master. He's got a really good series on running the game. Highly recommend just watching all of his videos. Even if you're not a dungeon master, he's got some really great tips that specifically relate to role-playing games and D&D. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So my first tip for players um, at the table is if you can help it, don't play against your party. I know that it can be very tempting to be the rogue that um, may check ahead uh, for loot or things like that and maybe conceal things from your party. You know, I don't want to be a wet blanket, but I will say that if that's something that fellow players at the table don't like, that can cause infighting and that can just be really rough to try to deal with at the table. So if you can, unless you have a great narrative reason that maybe you might redeem yourself later or your character might be going through something, don't try to intentionally play against your party because we're all trying to have fun. No one is here to win Dungeons and Dragons. You're not going to win anything. You're not going to be better than, you know, the person to your left because you stole the magic sword. Like, we're, we're trying to have fun. We're all trying to narratively tell a story together. So playing against your party, even though it may be fun or, quote unquote, that's what my character would do. But you're also a human being. You know what your characters are doing. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think there's this unspoken agreement, unwritten agreement, that when you're an adventuring party... Usually you want to try to work collaborative collaboratively and work together. And, um, it just, it's not helpful to, to be that player that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take all of the gold for myself and not tell anybody else in the party, you know, when that can maybe create some player to player tension since they can see you across from the table, they can hear you over discord saying what you're going to do. It's just best to work collaboratively with uh, your party. I think, you know, specific situations, sure, they might come up where, you know, maybe your your character is going to be a little more greedy and, you know, keep a little bit for himself because, you know, m maybe there are certain situations where, quote, that's what my character would do is okay. But I, I generally completely agree with you uh, on this point. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I mean, I'm talking from personal experience here. Um, I think I, I would go ahead and say that all of our tips are obviously from personal experience or... Um, things that we have learned throughout our, our time and years of playing this game. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to playing against your party, try not to if you can. Absolutely. All right, so my next point, know what your character can do. Spend a little bit of time, get to know what your character's features and spells are if you're a spellcaster. It just really helps uh, the flow of the game it doesn't require you to spend even that much time, just a little bit. Uh, even if you want to like review what your character can do for, you know, 10 minutes before the session starts, it really helps to know what your features are, what spells you can cast. Um, if you're a spell caster or somebody that has uh, features that give a, a save difficulty, a save DC, know what those are ahead of time. Know how your things work. Um, if you're a caster that gets to pick new spells regularly, uh, a little bit of scanning of what those options are, even if they're not the spells that you currently have, just know what your options are, even just in the slightest bit, knowing what you can possibly do, I think really goes a long way. Uh, keeps the flow of the game going. Uh, it might even allow you to have some really creative solutions. 
but I think it is uh, crucial to not spend game, not spend time in game at the table or the virtual table if you're playing online, where you're kind of pausing and saying, "Hold on, I need to, I need to check this feature. I don't know exactly. It's okay if you don't know exactly how something works, but if you're completely unfamiliar with your character, you know, I think just showing the smallest amount of effort that you're, if you that you know how your character works and are, are putting in some time to familiarize yourself with uh, your character, um, it really helps the flow of the game. Um, I realize I'm a bit repeating myself right now, but I think it's a really important thing to do. This might seem like an incredibly obvious point, but um, it, it certainly does help to know what your character is capable of, what their save DC is, how things work, how the mechanics work. Yeah, and to to kind of put maybe an extra little point in there, um, you know, this isn't like a, a tip or anything, but I would just say, look, it, it's very helpful to do the outside work as well, not just researching while you're playing the game. Like I know, I know everybody's interest level is different. Everybody's investment level is different when it comes to their player character. Um, but you know, doing that research outside of, well, I'm a little unfamiliar with how this channel divinity works. Um, Googling, does it work in this situation? How does this work? Knowing that so that you can arm yourself with the knowledge to bring it into the game, to at least make it seem like you know exactly what you're doing. Even if you don't, arming yourself with more information, you feel a little bit more confident, you will play better. So yeah, knowing how your character works, also it makes it feel a little bit more personal. And I feel like that helps gameplay when you are RPing and you know your character inside and out to where it's less of, okay, well, let me just pick up this character that somebody handed me like no you created this character with this set of rules so this is an ex extremely personal thing for you so it tends to make people play a little bit more seriously or or just more invested yeah absolutely i think even if you're not playing the game in it from a, a serious standpoint maybe it's the type of game where it's a, a blow off steam after work kind of thing and just you know let's grind some dungeons kill some monsters get some loot it does still help to know what your character can do in those situations uh, just so you're not spending in-game time having to reread your character sheet and features and what they can do and you know specific spells you're unsure of uh, i'm gonna uh come back to this point a little bit later or at least relate back to it with a, a future point um so it, it's kind of a, a two-handed set of uh <laughs> player tips that i've got but we'll come back to that um i don't know that i have much more to say do you want to continue on with your next point yeah so this kind of um, you know, again, it kind of piggybacks off my first point about uh, playing against your party. Um, I would say, again, this is personal experience. Um, keep your out-of-game issues out of the game. If you maybe have had a, a personal issue with another player, try your best to not let that affect gameplay. This, you know, we're, we're not, this isn't a therapy session. We're not trying to hash out you know, problems that you're having interpersonally for four or five hours, however long you're playing. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to slug through that, especially your DM and especially all the other players that are sitting there trying to have a good time. So if you can help it, just try. I know it seems um, like common sense, but it's, you know, it's hard because we are playing make-believe, but we are playing make-believe in under real circumstances. You know, we're, we're, we are experiencing these real emotions when we RP heavily. Um, and sometimes those outside forces can kind of bleed into, and that really affects the gameplay um, and can create a really toxic environment that 
people don't really want to show up for. So if you can squash those issues or at least agree to leave them at the door so that we can all play a game together and have fun together. Yeah, I'll agree to that. And I'll even go a step further and say, um, I know for me personally, sometimes my IRL life, my real world life can be a bit stressful. And I definitely use this type of a vehicle as a bit of escapism from that. Um, it is my joy during the week. It um, helps me not think about some of those things going on in my life. So I'm more than thrilled to leave all that stuff at the door when I sit down to play um, because it, it, it brings me joy and happiness and um, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So yeah, definitely like get those. If you have, you know, player to player tension, um, get those issues out, uh, you know, outside of the game. And when you sit down, it's time to play D and D. Um, and like I said, for me personally, it's just definitely like, partly I love the narrative, but partly it's escapism too, to forget some of those things that are going on in my day-to-day -day life. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I know that I use Dungeons and Dragons, not just a way to have fun, but also to explore, you know, things that I don't get to do in my everyday life. So it is a, it is a, in a sense of escapism, like you said, um, so, you know. We don't want to escape to a world where we're all fighting interpersonally and having a bad time. That's not the world that I'm trying to escape to. Right. That's just escaping to the same world. Yep. A hundred percent. You know what? Maybe we can like create a campaign where um, out of nowhere, there was this worldwide pandemic and all of the adventurers need to just sit inside uh, and have conversations uh, and they're using scrying spells to talk to each other um, and no adventures are had. And we all wait around for a year, and then I think that would be a, happens. a hard nerf to every spell that requires touch. Yep, they were challenge <laughs> so mode. I'll, I'll pass on that one. Yeah, if you're not wearing your mask, like the police just come and uh, put you back in your house. Exactly. Start over. Exactly. All right. Well, let's. Uh, yeah, let's continue on, shall we? <laughs> so my next point, uh, like I said, kind of relates back to. Uh, the last thing that I talked about, which is knowing what your character can do. And this one is to, uh, in combat, simply be ready with one, maybe two things that you want to do on your next turn. And this is not to say that you should be sitting there while everybody else is acting, um, looking through your notes, trying to see what you want to do, but just have a couple of things ready to go. And it certainly does help if you know what your character can do so that you're not wasting that in-game time to reread your character sheet. But uh, this really helps combat speed up when the DM calls on you and says, all right, uh, you're up. What would you like to do? You've got at least one thing that you are ready to do. I would like to move over here. I'd like to fire my crossbow. I'd like to cast this spell. And then should circumstances change, things go a little bit awry and you're not able to do that thing or you need to do something else, well, you've got plan B in the back pocket. Okay, well, instead of doing that, I'd like to go over here and uh, heal up my buddy because I just fell in combat or I'd like to heal myself or oh shit, things are going really bad. I want to dimension door out of here because we're about to lose. Just know what your character can do so that you're ready to go with a couple things in combat so that when the DM calls on you, you don't sit there going, oh, it's my turn. Um, hold on. How's this spell work? Uh, wait, how many feet do I get to move? Um, okay, you know, just it, it helps really. Uh, combat by its nature kind of has reputation for being a bit lengthy. So... Just having some things ready to go really helps keep that flow going and keep the uh, the tension of combat up. I can't even tell you how, like, I, I know everyone's um, knowledge of the game is different and everyone's 
skill level is different when it comes to playing the game but i just can't even tell you how annoyed i get when you know the dm calls on the player and they go um okay so how far away is the creature okay um so there's a spell that i think that i can use like yeah no get it together like you know your spells like i I, yeah again i'm not here to scold everyone's you know knowledge is different but like you said just be ready with one or two things yeah you know your spells so at the very least every round you can cast a cantrip if you're a caster you can do that if you're a half caster you can shoot your bow or maybe cast a spell and if you're a non-caster go ahead and swing that sword go ahead and swing that axe like yeah absolutely it's it's just about being comfortable with the knowledge that you have by knowing what your character can do so that you can be ready yeah exactly and these tips are are, are not meant to say that if you don't do these things you're a bad player these are just ways to kind of up your game and and be a little bit more active at the table and be more present Mm -hmm. yes just being present and aware of what's going on and and engaged i think is the the key word i I like to approach dnd from a perspective of I think everybody has a little bit of responsibility of contributing to the game and contributing to the story. Um, even even the players, the DM is there to present a certain set of uh, information and details, and the players are there to kind of fill in the rest of it. And um, like I kind of said before, I, I don't. My, my approach is not to simply show up and watch the DM's movie. It's to contribute to that story and to be a part of it and be a part of the world. And knowing what I can do, what my character can do, so that when it's my turn to act in combat, I've got a couple things ready to go. Now, I'm not always successful at it. Sometimes I, you know, things go completely wrong, and my plan A and plan B suddenly are not possible, and I have to take a second to look at what my options are. Um, so I'm guilty of, you know, hold on a second, let me look at my sheet, because I need to, you know, what I wanted to do is now not what I want to do. Um, but it's sort of a, a, a target to shoot for. You know, um, so anyways, that's my, my thoughts on, uh, on, on D and D and, and being ready to act in combat. Yeah. Yeah. So my third tip, um, actually doesn't have anything to do with gameplay at all. Um, my tip is when we can all reconvene, if your party is a party that meets in person, bring snacks. A fed party is a happy party. Um, I know that my Sunday game, uh, since we all live here in the city, um, we all meet up at our DM's house and generally everyone brings a, like a six pack and some chips and hummus and some snacks that everyone can eat. I know sometimes we bring cookies. It's just nice to establish and, uh, reinforce the camaraderie by bringing snaps, snacks or a thing to pass. It shows you care. It shows you care about the 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 weekly gathering and the kind of the ritual of let's all sit and maybe drink a beer or drink a drink and have some snacks and play a game yeah i'll agree to that uh i i'm not going to disagree with everybody bringing snacks to dnd yeah it's just it's a little thing that i've picked up you know it's i never thought about it when i started the game it was something that was just like okay yep we're all coming i'll eat something before i come because i know this is like a four or five hour session So I'm not going to want to, you know, order food or anything like that in the middle of it. But, um, you know, as I've gotten older and we're driving to D&D and doing things like that, it's like, oh, this is actually a really nice thing to do is just bring snacks. Everyone's 
drinking and having a good time not you know not necessarily alcohol but like if you have you know a soft drink or just everyone has their big old mug of water like something where you're just having snacks and having food and yeah it's, i don't know it it sounds a little precious but like it just it makes the the experience better if we're all plus no one's getting hangry partway through and taking it out <laughs> on the party right. um, yeah yeah it's a social game and so um let's Let's be good social people and be good friends to our friends. Crossing my fingers. One day we will all reconvene and it's going to be incredible. And we will all celebrate with lots of drink and food. I, I mean, I think my, my Sunday game, uh, my DM had said that uh, when we do actually finally reconvene, we're going to like, it's going to be like a potluck and we're going to have like an eight hour session where it's like we yeah. all have a big celebratory. Like, I think I'm going to make a cake. Um yeah, I can I'm see excited that for, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. All right, so continuing on, unless you had any uh, anything else to talk about uh, food and drink related. Uh, no, I mean, I could talk about food and drink uh, all day, but I, know. I think we... And our upcoming have... food and drink episode. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What food to bring and why. Exactly. Okay, so my next tip, interact with the world. This one might be another tip that seems obvious but i will say that this npcs the environment taverns non-player fixtures in the world these aren't simply pictures or backdrops these is this is how the dm is going to impart knowledge about current events and about the world to players uh dm's not likely to bolt of the blue himself into the game uh and and simply give the players a, a world almanac about what's going on um i would say that this is how your characters are going to find out what's going on. I think a lot of times uh, D&D is partly a, a mystery game. You know, the DM gives you incomplete information. He tells you what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what the, the general vibe of the environment is. And then it's your job to figure out what's really going on. What's what's behind the curtain? How does everything fit together? What's What's the, the, the primary motivation of the, of the big bad? Uh, what's the secondary motivation? What's really happening? And the way you find that out is by interacting with the world, asking NPCs questions, uh, investigating, checking for traps. Even if you're not the rogue, you can still go and check for traps. Um, interact with all... Uh, the, the, oh, let me just start that ever. Interact with the world as best you can in every way that you can think of, even if... Um, you know, you have something you want to do and the DM didn't specifically say that there is that type of NPC in the tavern, for example. It's okay. You can ask, hey, do I notice uh, anybody that is performing tonight? Is there is there, you know, a bard that happens to be performing at this bar? Because I want to go and ask, you know, what sort of things they've seen on the road. Uh, you can ask that and maybe the maybe the answer will be, oh, yeah, actually, there is that, you know, as the DM realizes this is an opportunity to impart some information to you. So... I would say, like, simply don't just, like, sit there and assume that what you see is all there is. Ask around. Talk to NPCs. Interact with the environment. Investigate. Um, ask the DM, hey, do I notice this thing? What's the general vibe that I'm getting? Does there happen to be a bookseller in town that I can go and, you know, do some research? You know, ask. That's, that's the way that you find out information about the world. And I would say that not only that, um, as much as players are improving literally everything, um, because the DM, I feel like you have you have your things established in your own mind about what you're creating and the limitations of the world and things like that. 
However, I think that anytime a player asks the DM a question or interacts with their world, that gives the DM the opportunity to also improv and maybe do something that they didn't think about. You know, a lot of campaigns have been um, brought in another direction, maybe because a character had investigated something that the DM hadn't originally planned out. And now campaign's going in a different direction, or even it could just be a small thing like, well, this character is just really, really obsessed with like beautiful flowers. Now, any town they go into, this character is going to say, is there a flower shop? Is there a flower shop where I can purchase some flowers? or anything like that. And that maybe gives the DM a time to improv or now the, now the DM has this established in their head like, well, shit, now this character is gonna ask for a flower shop. So I think every town there's gonna be a flower shop and now I can improv that with my character. Yeah, exactly. And, and can be used as a way to uh, convey information. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, just a, it, it creates opportunities. It creates um, information uh, kiosks, <laughs> I guess is the best thing that I'm trying to, convey places that the dm can impart information about the world and about circumstances yeah yeah absolutely and i think my next point actually piggybacks pretty well off of this one i swear that we wrote these separately um this was not a collaborative episode this time we all separately wrote our top five tips it just happened to be this way um but so my next tip is when your dm specifically gives you engagement with your backstory take the bait DMs, uh, there is a reason that they are asking for your backstory. It's not because they're just curious. They are taking your character specifically into consideration when it comes to writing the campaign, writing the events of the campaign. If it is a, um, if it is a homebrewed world or homebrewed campaign, they are now taking those opportunities to tie in your character, make your character have reasons as to why they are adventuring or want to continue adventuring. And if this is a pre-written adventure, the DM is now taking your backstory into consideration as to how they're going to hook your character into this pre-written adventure. You know, again, everyone's comfort level, everyone's engagement level is different, but typically DMs are asking for your backstory because they want to engage with it as much as you do. So try not to shrink away from those opportunities that the DM is giving you with your backstory specifically. Yeah, I will agree to that. And I think um, it's it's partly sometimes the player's uh, responsibility to maybe bring up some of those things that may have gotten lost in the backstory um, as, you know, bringing to the table things that your character would like to accomplish. Um, you can really very easily weave that into conversation in between other characters and it just um, helps, you know, the DM be reminded of some things that you would like to accomplish rather than, like I said, simply being the spectator to the DM's movie. Yeah, I know that I I know my character in your game right now um, is a cleric of Valkyr, which is not a, you know, it's not Paylor, it's not Saloon, it's not, you know, any god that is very well known or that their, their mythos or their ritual practices are very well known. So even I have to remind myself like, oh shit, I have a God, so I need to talk about that. Like this character might be uncomfortable talking about it. So we need to navigate that and bring up that part of my backstory that he's new to being a cleric. So he doesn't really know how to talk about his God too much. So, and I think, you know, you and I have actually engaged, I would say pretty well when it comes to, you know, me reminding not only like the DM, but like the party that like, you know, I have a God and you and I have had, you know, God to character 
interactions before. Um, so it's nice to be able to count on that sort of engagement to pull myself back into, that's right, my God tasked me with this. I need to remain focused. You know, there's a lot of hardships that happen or little things that your DM has said that happens in the world that may affect your character that aren't always obvious. So having those tie-ins that your DM creates for you uh, gives player engagement as well as character engagement. Yeah, agreed. I, th I think you may be more alluding to, to um, homebrew campaigns. Um, I know that since I'm running a uh, a module, I'm running Storm King's Thunder, and this is my first you know, full campaign that I'm running. Um, I do tend to, since I have a lot of stuff to juggle here, I do tend to forget about that other stuff that you know players backstories so like having somebody bring that up in game is, is a really good reminder if i forget to bring it up it's not because i'm specifically ignoring someone's backstory it's just i got a lot of stuff to juggle and a lot of stuff to prepare and and write and um you know i may have just forgotten about that side of the game too yeah it's i mean dms are juggling a lot so i i definitely don't blame if uh some things slip through the cracks yeah absolutely um, I think that's a good segue into my fifth and final point, which is uh, simply, at the end of the session, give the DM thanks. It's a lot, a lot of work to do, and I want to preface this by saying this is not directed at uh, my Sunday group specifically. It's just in general. Um, I know that it's a, it's a lot to do, and you guys do thank me quite a bit, so I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, even the, even the simplest bit uh, can go a long way. Uh, simple, hey, thanks for running. We had a great time. Is all we need to hear. Just that that verbal affirmation once again. Um, I I personally am going to assume that you guys had a good time, but there's that always ever present imposter syndrome and fear that I'm not doing enough or or good enough. So uh, you know, a simple reminder like, hey, it was a great time. Thank you for running the game. Appreciated it. Uh, really, uh, really goes a long way. Yeah, I I think that um, I think that players can have a little bit of an ego when it comes to the storytelling and you know how everything is happening to them and happening to their players so they i would say that players have a little bit of an ego when it comes to who's really driving the bus here um and it's i without sounding adversarial to players or dms or whomever i just i think that sometimes people can get lost in the weeds of we're creating a story together and at the end of the day the dm had to prepare all of this for you and for them. So yeah, I agree with thanking. It's, you know, it's DMing, especially when they have to play the bad guy, it's a thankless job. And I think that players can sometimes overlook that. So I, I would 100% agree. Thank you, DM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can see it from a player's perspective um, that I am just, because I remember this from, you know, previous campaigns, I'm I'm happy that someone is willing to do that and, and willing to prepare this stuff willing to uh, give it a try and, and run the game. Um, like I said, D&D &D is, a, is a really good escape for me every week. And I'm I'm thankful that someone is willing to give that gift to uh, myself and my friends and allow us to do that. So, uh, But it's easy to forget at the end of the session. You have a lot to think about, all the crazy things that just happened and all the exciting things you're looking forward to next session. But just um, try to remember next time, you know, session's over. Just give a quick thanks. You know, hey, DM, a good time. Thank you for running. Appreciate it goes a long way exactly and that does actually segue into my final tip for players is be patient and open when it comes to inconsistencies um, your dm is juggling a lot your fellow players are juggling a lot 
inconsistencies will happen. And I'm specifically talking about homebrewed campaigns at this point. Um, it doesn't really happen so much with, um, with pre-written campaigns, unless you're throwing a, some of your homebrewed rules into the pre-written campaign. But just be patient, especially if you're creating a world together. It's a lot to think about. If you are getting too uncomfortable or the game is getting a little bit too much with the inconsistencies, talk to your DM outside of the game. Try your best to not challenge them in the middle of combat, you know, where they are trying to think of what what's going to happen if, a you know, these group of, you know, let's say gnolls are, are attacking your party. Try not to challenge your DM in the middle of that because, you know, they're thinking about all the gnolls turns and they're thinking about all these other things of what might happen if... So be patient when it comes to inconsistencies, because they will happen. And when they do, um, either outside of game or when there is a moment in game to put a pause on and say, so this happened last time, moving forward, what what would you like it to be? So that we can just take a note of it and just move forward. That's a good point. And I'd like to, to add to that too. Um, you know, this is just a, a good tip for for having good communication i think is the is the key here um just be willing to have a a a good conversation a non-confrontational conversation with the dm outside of the game of course um but uh the, the dm's ruling that's that's you know let that be the final say there's gonna come a point where you get a rule wrong or you do it differently than they did it the last time and the dm is just gonna say well this is how we're gonna do it this time We'll make sure to look it up and do it right the next time and let that be the final thing. And if there's any disagreement there, have that conversation outside of the game. Let the DM's word be final. Yep. I I 100% agree. I, as a player, don't often like to just rule on the side of the DM because I'm a player and I want to be right because I've studied and I know my character. But, you know, at the end of the day, let the let the DM have their say and come back to it later. I'm I'm sure... Unless it, you know, results in something devastating, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's something that can be worked out. Yeah, and worst case scenario is uh, you talk to it outside of the game and DM goes, oh, you're right, I, I messed that up. You know, we'll make sure to do it right next time. And, you know, I think in that situation, somebody's much more willing to admit they made a mistake rather than if you confront them in game trying to be right and trying to prove them wrong. You know, that's not going to result in anything productive. I don't think I've ever seen a player DM conflict where the player or DM holds up the book and the other person is like, you are right. I have seen the error of my ways and I will not challenge this further. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Yeah, that's just not how human nature is. People will not, you know, admit to being wrong despite mountains of evidence. They need to come to that conclusion themselves and they need to be presented with that, you know, in a a safe way environment not in a in front of everybody in the middle of conflict in the middle of combat have that conversation outside of the game yeah agreed well those are all of my tips and tricks that i've learned so far um yeah i mean other than all the little ones i think those are the the, my five main big ones and your five main big ones i think so i mean i could i could talk for uh, a while about D &D and and about more things i think could make uh you a better player but um those are our top 10 well those are 10. I don't know if there are our top ones. They're the ones that we decided to talk about this week. So I know a bit of a shorter episode this week, but I appreciate you guys for sticking around. Um, so that's going to do it for this week. Once again, thanks for stopping by. Uh, if you liked this episode, please, please check out our future episodes, which we release every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central. 
and next week we will be discussing a few ideas for creating a simple character backstory. So stay tuned for that. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>